Hey guys, thank you for tuning in to the show. Our guest today is Dustin Weingartner. He is the partner and managing director of a really cool brand that you'll find out on the marketplace right now called Arvin Goods. It's a men's and women's accessories company that was started with sustainability and impact reduction as its true and main core value. They, um, it's a collection of socks and underwear, really basics that are made from 100% recycled or upcycled inputs. So we talk a lot about that on the show, how the brand came to be, what they're doing with it, where they're going, some of the things they're doing. He's also the partner and managing director at a company called ITC Accessories, which is part of the um, Summit company. And they are a one-stop shop kind of for retailers and brands who are looking for development services and products, but they've got a cool branch off, a division of that called um, the Awareness Collection, which is focused on providing sustainable solutions. So Dustin has been at it for about, um, I don't know, 16 years or so, and we talk about his career path and the way that he went from a finance degree, you know, into supply chain and working with different brands to eventually doing a collaboration with Macklemore. Great conversation that goes from uh, the impacts of our products to some of the tools that are out there and more. So hope you enjoy this episode kind of dedicated to recycled and upcycled goods, low impact alternatives, and just cool um, winding and developing career paths focused on just doing business better. And sometimes you got to get in there and prove your point. And if uh, other brands aren't willing to buy what you're selling, sometimes you just got to go do it and make it on your own. And that's what Dustin has done with Arvin Goods, a really cool brand. And if you check them out and you like their goods, um, Dustin's offered a coupon code for you. It is underswell. That'll give you 25% off at the Arvin Goods website. So be sure to check it out. That's the code underswell at the Arvin Goods website. You're going to love them. I've got a pair of uh, socks and a pair of underwear. Super awesome. They feel great. And you're going to love how much water and energy and such that you are saving. And you're going to be part of the new, um, the new and bold and more sustainable future. All right, guys. Hope you enjoy the show. As always, check back soon for the next episode. Welcome to the Underswell Podcast. News, stories, brand insights, product reviews, all to help you navigate the complexities of sustainability in your modern lifestyle. As I like to say, business can be done better, and in some cases it is. I'm Derek Sabori. I'm your host, and hey, it's just sustainability. Let's dive in to today's episode. And we're live here, Derek Sabori on the Underswell radio podcast show. I'm here with my guest today, Dustin Weingartner of ITC, Arvin Goods, Summit Brands, The Movement. Is that right, Dustin? <laughs> yeah. yeah, Polylana, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera, et cetera. And we'll put all the links to those. But um, Dustin's doing some really amazing things in the sustainable fashion and apparel movement. So I'm really excited to have him here. Dustin, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you bet, man. And uh, we were just kind of, uh, you were just explaining it to me, but Weingartner, what an awesome last name. (laughs) Where does that come from? The the rumor or the the what the parents told me or the grandparents was that our ancestors gardened grapes in Germany. Really? So we're the we're the vine gardeners. Are you still doing any um, wine gathering or wine uh, gardening? Well, I gather bottled wine. Yeah, but, you and but me we're both. not. I'm not involved in the grapes. <laughs> Sustainable wines and all yeah, kind of yeah, wines. Yeah, partake. Can, that, that's, no problem. That's another uh, episode for sure. <laughs> So um, Dustin is here with me. We've um, we've been talking and connecting um, on sustainable solutions here for a while, and he's got a great brand that he started. It's called Arvin Goods, doing some sustainable basics, underwear, socks. A really cool story, and um, it really hits home with me because using a similar um, fiber and process that we've used in Cosm, and he's got a great story, really knowledgeable. So I wanted to um, share it with the with the group here. Dustin, you guys, uh, you're in, though, from Seattle, is that right? Yeah, we're based up in Seattle. Where are you originally from? 
I grew up in Colorado. Colorado. What part? Durango, Colorado. Get out of here. Yeah, down in the southwest corner. Yeah. Near the the four corners. I drove a friend out there to go to college out in Durango, and then a, my, a good friend of mine went to school in um, Gunnison. Oh, no way. Yeah. Western. And Western. Then, yeah, yeah. Dur- Durango's Fort Lewis. So. Yeah. What a beautiful, uh, um, beautiful area out yeah, there. Yeah, I've been, I always joke with people that I am aesthetically spoiled in the places that I've lived between Durango and then I went to college in Flagstaff, Arizona, which is, you know, at 7,000 feet also in the, in kind of the high country. And then I moved to Seattle in 2000. And so I have, I have not lived in a, in a, you know, bad spot, so to speak. Jeez. Well, pretty you're, spoiled. you're lucky. You're lucky. Yeah. So give us a little background on how you got here, especially how you got into the sustainable fashion um, space. It looks like you're an accounting major that ended up in the fashion industry. <laughs> how in the world does that happen? I mean, I should know I came from a, a roundabout way as well, but I want to hear your story. Yeah, we. Um, I got a finance degree from Northern Arizona, um, moved to Seattle in 2000, kind of poked around different jobs. Um, and then I ended up with, I was grew up snowboarding, skateboarding, kind of in that um, world. And I ended up with a guy I grew up with, got me a job at North Face, or I'm sorry, not North Face, North Wave. North, um, North Wave Boots? Yeah, right? North yeah. Wave Snowboard Boots, which was um, also owned a brand called Drake Bindings and a little tool and accessory brand called Bacota. Okay. Um, their US, it was an Italian-owned company. US distribution was based in Seattle. Um, I got a job there doing inventory management, finance type stuff. Um, was stoked just to be in that world, you know, in any role. Um, and, and my background kind of fit into that. Um, and then the company went through a fairly sudden, substantial downturn. Um, there was a product issue. They ended up closing a big warehouse in Seattle, laying a bunch of people off. Mm. Um, and I was one of eight people that was kept. And I ended up in this world because the guy who was running the company after all this walked in one day with a pile of files, put them on my desk and said, hey, um, you know, our guy who was running Bacota is gone and all this stuff is in, in either in production or in transit. We need you to figure it out. Like I was the only one that was there to do it. Yeah. So it was kind of a, you know, maybe lowest common denominator. So I dug in, and before I knew it, you know, I became the guy in the building that knew how all of our manufacturing was happening in Asia. Yeah. It was just kind of fed to the wolves, so to speak, to be no, honest. No better way, though, to do it, though, to become the expert just by sort of diving in, and then uh, everybody assumes you know, but you're at, the, at the same time, you're just learning and figuring it out as you go, right? Exactly. And, and through that process, I ended up with... Um, you know, kind of the the supply chain knowledge of how you know, we were making everything from like tools, hard you know metal screwdrivers and and snowboard tools to uh, waxing irons to beanies to you know bags and all kinds of stuff. Um, so yeah, I figured it out, and then that led to another role after that with Cole Headwear, um, working on their product development and um, also their manufacturing and supply chain. And that was there for about three years. And then from there, I ended up opening the U.S. office for what is now Summit Group, um, which was is one of our divisions is ITC that does uh, design, development, and manufacturing for brands and private label retail. Okay. And they've been around for that's been around for how many years? Yeah, the company is actually based in Amsterdam, um, started by uh, a guy named Fico Vanderveen, who was that's 25 years old. He started it um, in, again, kind of the supply chain management space. Um, he brought on a partner named Stefan Van Leer, I don't know, 20 years ago maybe, who kind of transitioned a division into fashion, you know, quote okay. unquote fashion, which became um, working with brands in Europe and in, and then kind of in America when, when I came on in 2009 um, with brands. And then that's evolved into also this vertical retail play where we're you know producing finished products for um, retailers yeah really interesting it seems like a really um, robust and dynamic um, uh, business model yeah so I'm interested though for both maybe for you and for ITC the company but when did where, where did you get your sustainability spark when did that start for you kind of what was your flashpoint moment if you will and 
Same for ITC, because I know that's a the direction they're headed in now. To be honest, uh, I was turned on to it indirectly by you because we were... When Wait, I was what? At, <laughs> Needle drops. When, when, Dustin was a DJ. <laughs> back scratch when, on the record. When I was when I was at Cole, we were we were tasked um, with a collaboration project with Volcom under the, the Vecological yeah. collection, okay. which was super hard was it <laughs> you know at that time yeah. and, you know we're talking 2007 2008 yeah um you know recycled polyester was you know non-existent if it existed you know what i mean it was very difficult to figure out yeah and and so the, at that time you know there was a lot of organic stuff happening but again expensive hard to find hard to hard to track down and so I that experience and and growing up in Southwest Colorado where we dealt with you know drought threat and and all that my whole life, um, you kind of always it's something that was kind of always in the back of your mind. I know I remember in fifth grade when they explained to us that there's a hole in the ozone layer. I was like, oh my god, yeah. the the earth is opening a hole. Yeah, we're all dead. Yeah, you exactly. Know? So I don't think it was a, a single moment where it you know I believed in it or became part of it it was just that it was something that was always there and then you'd see these trigger points in the market vico or, or something like that popping up that it kind of reinforced it um and then so cool yeah i'd say six years ago the company europe and america you know um my partner in america jason bose is here too we all sat down and said this is coming you know um in europe they had they had big big names, you know, Inditex Group and H&M and these people are talking about it. And they recognize that we need to, you know, out of survival of the company, we need to have answers. We need to have solutions for our customers that, um, you know, service some of these demands. Maybe let's talk about that real quick, even like survival of our company. Do you think that comes from sort of a, a resource standpoint or basically because of consumer demand and that the consumers are demanding it or because, hey, in order to protect our supply chain, and have access to good materials, we need to consider sustainability as a, a part of our, our business. Um, I think that we need, as a supplier, you know, f- let's say five, six years ago, or, or even two years ago, as a supplier, we need to have a um, solution. We need to have options. Um, whether the customers buy mm. it or not is a different discussion, yeah. but we need to have those options. Um, I think that the companies at this point are... Um, you know, some of the big corporations, my opinion is that it's a little bit right now, it's still kind of a, there's a PR play to it where they know there's bad news coming and they know that these things like the, you know, Boston consultant, Boston consulting reports are coming. Yeah. And so they want to have something in their repertoire that they can talk about, that they can tell that, you know, diffuses some of the bad news, some of the bad news that's coming. Yeah. Um, and I would say that right now, unfortunately, I think you have more of the PR side of it or the, you know, and I think the people want to do good, but the corporations are still trying to figure out how to do it. I love this conversation, though, because, I mean, you know, I agree with you. You're saying sort of the bad thing, but also there's this interesting dynamic that happens from just consumer demand, consumers being educated, activism, and it all sorts of kind of creates this perfect storm where even if it's because even if it's for a PR play, it's like it's still happening. Oh, yeah. Right. And so it is, like you said, we were talking earlier and you kind of said, like, you felt like there's a perfect storm right now. Does it over the last 10 years, do you feel like now is more of a is a defining moment compared to then? Or do you think there's still a lot more to go? Yeah, I, th- I think that from a consumer perspective, it's it's going to be you're probably looking at another. Um, you're probably looking at another two years, let's say, of it cycling into the product and into the stores before the consumers really start to like it starts to gravitate through them you know we're talking about it i'm on the back end so the stuff i'm working on is is a year from a store right you know or whatever um but i think that it's only because it's only coming more and more to the surface and that's through that's not just through sustainability but it's through like the whole environment of our culture right now of patagonia you know suing the president over the public lands or nike surprising the hell out of the nfl with colin kaepernick or you know these things are popping up and consumers are are taking notice and realizing you know um i gotta be aware of some of this yeah something needs to be done or even back to our friend jackson and Shatescott and the earth guardians suing the uh, u.s government for not taking action on climate change right exactly yeah it's a movement right now and i think it takes all of us contributing in little ways to kind of keep stirring up the pot to make to make yep. change happen. Yep. What was your moment when you knew it was time though to to form Arvin Goods cuz so now you've got this 
particular brand. It's a great looking brand. Um, I love the concept. The look and feel is spot on. And I think it's, man, I think there's a lot of opportunity there for you guys. But how did how did Arvin come about? Um, Arvin, what, so the the group, again, the, the global group um, made the decision that we were going to go into this uh this solution platform we were going to start to build these solutions out and so after a few years of of r d we ended up with uh, a collection of materials and it was um you know recycled synthetics it was reduced impact materials like recycled um, cottons or or stuff like that or um, what we were calling naturals which was the traditional kind of organic hemp organic cotton um, so we had this platform of materials and the original thing was um we, we called it the awareness collection. And it was, it was, from a sales perspective, we were going to customers saying, hey, you know, we can make your beanie or your socks or whatever in conventional, but we also have this. And it was kind of, it was more of a like slow an, introduction. An yeah. And who might some of those customers, like um, when you're saying going, going to customers, are these big fashion brands, small boutique brands, a little bit of everybody, retail partners, a little bit of everybody? Yeah, in Europe, um, we deal with everything from, um, you know, uh, mid-sized brands uh, all the way through to, you know, some of our customers in Europe are the big boys, the, big the, the H&Ms, the, the Indie Texas, Zara, Bershka. Okay. Um, and, you know, even ones that, you know, the U.S. consumers maybe have never even heard of, like CNA or Bestseller. And, and over there, these are huge, huge retail groups right, right. Um, that don't have stores in the U.S. Maybe H&M obviously does and Zara, but some of these others don't. But their buying power is massive. So you're going to them saying, hey, we've got <laughs> options for you. In case, you know, you're hearing about sustainability and we've got solutions for you if you're interested. Correct. And then in the States, we had, you know, the States, is, as we all know, is a bit more of a brand centric market. Um, but we work with, you know, retailers that we're all familiar with, like Urban Outfitters or PacSun, or we've worked with Zoomies in the past, all the way through to Nordstrom, Macy's, um, all these guys. And so coming into them with, yeah, with basically just a simple digestible um, platform of materials that we could substitute into their, you know, traditional materials as a low impact alternative. That's kind of how we, we verbed it. Yeah. Um, you Did know. they jump? Did they bite? No. <laughs> um, some some are interested. You yeah. know, we're, we've got we've got a couple that are are moving faster than others. But you know, largely the the sock and underwear thing. We do a lot of sock and underwears. Largely socks and underwear. Um, largely people were like love the story. You know, you, you never sit down about this stuff and have someone tell you that you're wrong or it's bad or they're negative. But it was something that a lot of these big companies can't can't quickly transition into their supply chains, you know, easily. So once you, once you hit that roadblock inside these companies, it's, it's tough to get through. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of how Arvin was born was after a number of meetings showing socks and underwear made from these lower impact materials and not having, you know, I wanted people to jump over the table and hug me sure. and be like, this is amazing. Thank you. How soon? Yeah. I don't start? know how you did this. Let's do it right now. Yeah. You know, and it, that, that reaction didn't happen. So, you know, I kind of went back to the to the um, office and you know talked about it and thought about it and talked with Jason and got everybody in the group on the phone and said, hey, you know, for the American market, we need a branded story that we control. Right now, I'm hoping that these big companies um, accept our message, but we shouldn't wait for them. We yeah. should do it ourselves. In the meanwhile, yeah. So well, that's kind of what what was um, how it came to be, I guess. And so we, well, the co-founder is a guy named Harry Fricker who did all the creative and he, he originally was brought in as, um, as a design and branding consultant, let's say it was a, you know, 90 day contract. I had all this in my head of what was possible and what we could do with our, with our platform and then brought, uh, met Harry through Jason, uh, who met him through Instagram, through photography and some oh, other wow. things. Told him the story. He's a you know young guy from the UK. He loved it, and so he went back to his drawing board and came back to me with a bunch of proposals, and we ended up settling on Arvin um, as the name. Um, and that was about two years ago, and then finally brought it to market um, June of 2017. Wow! Congratulations. So yeah, it's re relatively new. Yeah. Where yeah, the name from? What is Arvin? Does it does Arvin mean anything? Arvin is a old English slang word for friend of the people oh you're kidding yeah and That's so cool. harry when he first when i first saw arvin i was like ah, I, it didn't like jump off at me i wasn't sure and then we talked about it, and then he explained it showed me like kind of a hashtag proposal a friend of the people and i was like this is great yeah 
And so you guys do, um, I do love it. I, um, you guys do a lot of messaging on there. So what is it that consumers are not going to know about apparel, their socks or underwear that what's the message that you guys are getting out there? What sets you guys apart? Yeah, we are, so our marketing story around Arvin is that, um, you're the socks we're all wearing right now, unless you're wearing Arvin's, um, <laughs> took at least 50 gallons of water to produce. Jeez, 50. Per pair. 50 je- milk jugs full of water attached to your ankles. Correct. Yeah. And your underwear is about the same. It's actually more, it's funny uh, when we were doing the math around it, before because I triple checked all the math around before we actually, you know, published anything. Yeah. And it's more. It's a lot more, actually. But we were, we were. If I told somebody, you know, bigger numbers, it was like you get, you hit a certain point where people don't believe. They're just like, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Maybe give us an idea of where it is. So, where are you quantifying from? Where are you starting that calculation? Is that sort of from cotton farming, for example, all the way through yep. cradle to grave or cradle to gate, as we say, where, yep. you, where you're selling so products? So it's a it's a per kilo math equation, basically. That you know the these LCAs life cycle assessments. Um, put together by all these third-party groups mm-hmm. have, which is what ends up being the HIG index and the MSI, you end up with all this data. Yeah. And you can take a pair of socks, which you know weighs 20 grams um, in a you know cotton poly blend, and you can do the math on what it took for conventional cotton um, processed from the point of being grown in the ground through um, you know processing, cleaning, washing, dyeing, spinning, and Rinsing, all that. And you end up yeah. with a number and it's a you know it's they i think most of those are you know some of them are very specific to a to a company but for the most part they're aggregates of how the industry works and yeah so that's kind of where we why we settled on the 50 was like 50 is a jaw dropper enough when somebody when you say 50 gallons of of milk jugs of water big enough but it's also conservative if you were really to dive in you're saying though right yeah yeah and it's funny whenever we're somewhere that people ask about it that's the first question is like how is this possible how did you come up with that number? And then the next question usually is, why isn't everybody doing this? Yeah. So why aren't they? Um, you know, it's it's uh, there are challenges in supply chains for any business. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and as you scale up and you become you know a billion or multi billion dollar company, you know, turning that that um, cruise ship around isn't always easy. Yeah, we've referred to it a lot on the show as sort of the uh, that mid-course correction, right? Going back to Ray Anderson's book, and it is like once that tanker is moving, there's no, there's no stopping yeah. it. And that was going to ask you even going back, because you mentioned, I know, why brands might not be jumping across the table, but it seems like you've got a good understanding, though, too, because you know it just it takes so long for them to say to him and ha, say, maybe, let's look at the cost, let's talk to our current suppliers. No ships that big don't want to disrupt their supply chain yep. every nickel and dime counts every day counts yep. so what you're trying to do is introduce something new that is disruptive yep right well and our so- from the from the very beginning before arvin before you know and this other fiber polylana we'll talk about we before we did any of that our goal we knew coming into these customers we had to come in at you know price parity mm-hmm. or or plus or minus you know Let's say ten percent. If you go out of that range, you're you're done. They're not buying it. Yeah. Um, and that's where you know these big companies. It, like you said, it's a it's a law of averages where they're trying to figure out like I can't I can't introduce a product and then all of a sudden have my margin. Especially these publicly traded companies. You know their their margins can't dip twelve percent. No matter how good the sustainability story exactly. is. Exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah. Ugh. Okay. Um, back to, and I wanted to touch quickly too, so you mentioned the HIG index, really great tool obviously for the apparel industry that a lot of brands are using that MSI, the Materials Sustainability Index, yep. which gives designers and developers a product rating per material, yep. um, which is a really great resource and tool, but if your company is not using the HIG index or if you're a designer not using the MSI, I would um, get on it, check those out. Well, yeah, it's all, I mean, it's all super confusing, um, to be honest with you. And, and I'm, I'm saying that after five years of, of <laughs> reading and, and R&D and everything. But the MSI, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I believe that was that started, it was all the data from Nike and Levi's. Yep, right? exactly. Okay. So Nike, for your students also, they have, there's a public app called Making, um, that where students can, can make Basically, they can create combinations of materials and see the impact levels and see which one is better and what little changes will make it even better. Right? Correct. Yeah. And we've we have the the um, Jason and I have the good fortune of knowing um, someone who is intimately involved in the creation of that data set 
Um, and there's a, obviously, you know, making as a public version, but yeah. there's a much more robust version that they use at the in the companies. But see how um, good it is to know people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it, it's it's uh, it's impressive what yeah. what that thing can do. And on your phone, you can pull it up and and see like you know, oh, I don't want to use you know virgin nylon or, or market wool or you know whatever the material is because i'm trying to achieve this and i never will with that yarn yeah and it's really yeah that knowledge is 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 power for sure why so i mean if you're saving let's say with arvin goods for example you're saving that much water per sock or per um, pair of um, undies wh- how you know t- tell me what you guys are doing to to save that water what makes you guys yeah so the it? the recycling process of cotton um in in uh, and we've vetted a number of different resources and, and facilities for this um, has to do with taking basically post-industrial cutting scraps so take a t-shirt factory you know yeah. a massive t-shirt factory and wherever Central America or something they run you know a blue t-shirt run and they end up with pallets of you know basically hay bale size of cutting scraps these facilities can take those cutting scraps and grind them back down into a fiber state um, and then use that fiber with, you know, other materials. In, in the case of Arvin, it's um, we're using a 52-48 uh, blend. So 48% of the yarn is a post-consumer plastic bottle. It's a recycled poly. Okay. 52% is upcycled cotton. Cotton scraps. Um, and so through that is how you, you know, those those data points or these LCAs that are involved, you end up with water scores and usage scores and, and um, manufacturing process scores, basically. Um, and that's how we come up with the number, is you're, you're effectively comparing the, a weighted product against a conventional weighted product. Got it. Um, and the beauty of the recycled cotton and the process that's used for Arvin is that you have the color in our product the, the spun yarn that we used to make a sock, the color came from the waste. So there was never a new dye or a new um, water use or, so you end up with effectively a, almost zero water product. Yeah, which is amazing because, you know, from a lot of those, the, the big reports, Karen did one their environmental profit and loss, but I mean, it's a, it's more than 60, 60% of the impacts come from the raw materials and how those raw materials are processed. So if you're eliminating that and just starting with scraps that already exist, you've cut out a big part of the footprint. Massive, massive, massive. Yeah, yeah. it's huge. And, I, and and there's you know there's there's kind of the next phase of all this is coming from um, you know other materials, cutting scraps from polyesters and and conventionals. So um, cool. Yeah. And I'm and I'm, I've got a pair of socks here in my hand, and they're they're beautiful. They feel great. They're amazing. And I mean, right, a customer is going to love these just as much as they would anything else and they're they're reasonably priced you're right in the you're right in the sweet spot yeah to be honest we you know whenever you put anything out into the world you're nervous you know you you've got you've got those like scary moments of like i'm gonna i think i'm right but i never you know you never know if you're actually right and 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 who will tell you if you're right or not is the consumer and what we've seen through selling this for a year is that you know you have your normal product you know things like oh my big toe poked through or, or whatever but overwhelmingly astoundingly the feedback on these product is these are so comfortable these are such great socks their no shows don't slip they fit my feet perfect they stay snug they're comfortable they're soft they're warm you know etc 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 and it's all positive and people all, and that just furthers the you know the fact that you can get a quality you know price reasonable product from a lower impact material that was the goal. Was yeah, we can, yeah. We can put it in the market against any other sock company, you know, fill in the blank, and it's going to be in that $8, 10 12 $14 price range. And you guys, your range, I mean, you've got socks, you've got men's and women's underwear, yep. socks, you've got a nice little collection of all, just the, the basics, right? All yep. the undergarments. Yeah, the, the mission of the brand is to, to make the cleanest basics on the planet. No dirty socks. That's it. I saw that in your, uh, in your, <laughs> on your blog. And there's some really cool stuff going on the brand. I want to I wanna, um, jump back, if I could, a little bit, because Arvin is kind of one part of the story of, that, of the ITC um, and Summit Brands umbrella, and there's a thing called movement, yep. um, right, where you guys have different materials. 
Tell us then a little bit, what, what do you have access to then in that family of, of branding and portfolios and what, what might others be able to have access to um, from you guys? Yeah, absolutely. We've, we've got, um, in the process of all that R&D for materials we were talking about, uh, one of our largest business um, spaces is in cold weather accessories. Okay. Predominantly in the industry, cold weather accessories are beanies, hats, scarves, maybe, maybe a sweater in the apparel field. Um, the biggest use the, the largest material used in those product categories is acrylic. Um, and that was one of our largest uh, um, business units was making these cold weather accessories. So okay. our big, as a company, as ITC, our largest consumption of material was acrylic. And we could not find a sustainable substitute or alternative. An alternative. What's the deal with acrylic? Um, acrylic is per the MSI. It's one of the lowest performing uh, materials possible or or instead of another way to put that is it's one of the highest impacting, you know, earth impacting materials, which means it uses a ton of water. It's bad chemicals. um, It's, it's not clean at all in the, in the manufacturing or dyeing process. You know, it's a, it's a nasty material. And, and we, and if you think about beanies, we all put them on our heads. Yeah, exactly. So we set out to, to try to fix that, which is if you, if you actually hindsight looking back, if you say that it's a, it's a, crazy task it's a large task well because you're starting from scratch right it's not like you're substituting what you're creating something new to replace it yep and we have such expectations in the marketplace for how a beanie feels and how exactly how it you know keeps its form and shape etc so acrylic in knit form was uh and i'm i'm pretty sure this is all accurate but everybody can wikipedia fact check me if they want (laughs) but it was created by dupont in yarn, acrylics have been around forever, but the yarn form was created by DuPont in the 40s as a cheap alternative to wool. Got and it. the difference is that acrylic has a loft to it. It's it's a it's an open, spacious yarn, which gives you that thermal in and out property like wool, which is what wool does on the animal. It, it, it's got a loft to it, which keeps the animal warm or cool. I see. Um, so you end up with an alternative for acrylic beanies would be recycled polyester. Um, but recycled polyester in its, in its normal form is a very flat kind of stiff yarn. Um, so we didn't like that. And to get, to get recycled poly soft and you have to do, there's a lot of washing or chemical washing or something. So it doesn't really fit in the real sustainable of what we wanted to do. So, um, our founder, Fico Vanderveen set out to try to solve this. Um, and he's a guy that once he gets his mindset on something, he's going to, you know, figure it out. And so he went to China and um, met with all these different types of vendors, you know, and, and effectively ended up at the, what would be the chemical level of, of poly and recycled poly. Um, and he left there with what ended up being a recipe of a fiber that we went on to um, trademark and name Polylana. Which is, yeah, which is a, a basically a poly wool. And, and mm. what it is is essentially there's a modified polyester pellet that um, in, when it, once it's you know, extruded and then spun, it, it has a little bit of loft. So okay. that's, the, that's the modification. And we're able to make it with 50% recycled inputs. So um, we can then, you, out of that, you end up with this fiber that, is, that we've, you know, we've called polylana that is... Uh, 50% recycled inputs, 50% modified, um, and then we can spin it with whatever we want, um, theoretically, you know, mm-hmm. if the volume's there and the customers are in. And um, So to bring it to market, we decided to um, market it as a low-impact alternative to wool or 100% acrylic. So we've got, got a, we've got a 60-40 blend. It's 60% polylana, 40% acrylic. Um, so we've reduced our use by 60%. In that blend, we can, we can give a, a very strong water, energy, CO2, um, you know, micro washing uh, story with, compared to 100% acrylic. And then our future state is that we want to you know, move on to eventually having zero acrylic involved um, and twisting it with you know, other possible recycled materials like recycled cotton or recycled wool or yeah. whatever. And it feels really nice. We've got a beanie here that feels great. It feels just like you, what you're used to, what's out on the market, right? Yeah, and the, the, the big thing that we've seen is with some of these um, 
you know, especially with retailers who buy volume, let's say blank beanies, just as a as our product reference, ninety five percent of it in the market is one hundred percent acrylic. Wow. And so, you know, and if you if you sat back and took that into scope, and you think about you know list your top ten retailers globally. And then you think about how many beanies they sell from October 1st to January 30th or 31st or whatever it is. And you ran the numbers on that and you said, hey, if we could reduce the acrylic use by 60% and here's our impact numbers, it's off the charts. Because acrylic isn't a massive material use like a polyester or like a cotton, but it has its own its own impact. And sure. that's why when you when you look at these these data points and these facts on the MSI, it uh, it's it's a really it makes a big dent. The more people we can get converted over to this, even in our current stage, it's it's huge. Yeah. And I think um, kind of, you know, working with my students and when we talk, I mean ultimately the the end big picture of this is about reducing those especially emissions and you know emissions are associated with all the manufacturing all the chemical inputs that go into that you know so um, all of this every bit counts so that we can start to do what we need to do to try to curb this climate change thing that's going on yeah and and the other the beauty future state of of polylana is that you know it could be um, for example it could be solution dyed so you could you could use a significantly less water but we're seeing retailers now and brands you know the the big responsible brands are coming in and checking you know what in our world is the wet processing unit which is basically the dye houses Mm -hmm. and they're starting to look at you know what what are those water uses and what what happens to the water after you've run the dye and where is it going and how are you reclaiming it and you know so there's all these offsets that again would would never ever enter the mind of the consumer that's happening in the background um that will you know will have a dent so the the potential of these things whether it's arvin or polylana or or just our normal manufacturing business is that that consumer education curve once it you know it's starting to kind of tick up really fast and the second it goes you know hockey stick style um then all this stuff starts to really matter and and will will really make a dent yeah and i think it comes from both sides and i really love the position that you guys are in because if you can get those big brands to change and just offer that style and it catches and they're like wow that beanie actually sold just as just as good um because i think the responsibility falls on the brands you know the consumer just shows up looking on the site like oh my gosh love that hope it's hope it's good for the planet you know for the most part yeah so i think the more that you i mean you're in a unique position to really have at those brands and get them to change and offer them a solution that they can put in their line, feel like they're going to get their PR points, but also really in the end make a big a difference. Yeah, and that's what that's what we did with with uh, you know Arvin being a consumer facing brand, Polylana being kind of on that B two B side, but it's an ingredient brand. And the smartest thing we did was was create the brand and the trademark and the name and and kind of in that um, you know let's call it Gore Tex uh, model of you know our goal. And our, our expectation at this point is if people want to use it, their beanies or sweaters or whatever they're using it for end up on the sales floor with a polyolana hang tag. So the consumer can see that and be like, what is this? Why is it, you know, why does this tag on here? And what does it mean? And yeah. if they if they do, if they are, you know, curious consumers and they start to dig in a little bit, they start to educate themselves and see what those, you know, impacts are. And then they become a part of it as well. You mentioned um, solution dye, which I think is something really important. And even when you talked about going back to the polymer and you do the, um, you do the editing or what do you call it? What do we call it um, in the polylana? The extrusion? No, when you chain modification, yeah, you modification. modify at the polymer level. Yep. Po- um, polyester starts as a polymer and that solution dyes, you can dye it at that polymer level and sort of a master batch, right? So you don't have to dye it afterwards and chemicals, yep. et cetera. They both start. Yeah, they polymers. basically, they, they call it, the, it's also referred to as dope dye. And it's essentially, yeah, when they when they cook up that batch of, of you know, um, plastic effectively mm-hmm. that becomes the pellet, it's already got the color in it. Kind of melt the color into yeah, it. Yeah, they, right? they cook it into it. And then when it's extruded, instead of having this grayish, um, extruded fiber you have a you have a black fiber or a red fiber yeah and you know the challenge to all that now at this point is like how can companies meet minimums and can you can you do it efficiently and all that but doing it that way you take literally 
polyester, which is conventionally bath dyed in massive vats yeah, of boiling huge, water. Huge rolls of white energy. fabric that yeah. need chemicals and yeah. fixing and agents. And in the more. in the solution dye, you end up with a basically something that is full color. Hat will have um, very much highly reduced chemical use and um, very strong color fasting reporting because it's cooked in. It's not sitting on top yeah, of it. Cooked in, and you end up with virtually a zero water um, color. So many good options out there. So many good solutions. Yeah. Anything else in the portfolio that you want to share with us? Uh, yeah, we're, I mean, we are, we're always um, working on something. There's always something coming down the pipe. We're working on our own, um, you know, branded level of, of recycled cottons and and um, recycled polys and some other things. But yeah, generally we're, we're watching the market kind of shift our direction. I guess. And, and, you know, people start asking more and more for this and, you know, watching it grow. Yeah. Um, how then, here's something good. I mean, I saw on your site though, how about Macklemore? I mean, that's going to cause that. Does that help with demand? Does that get people to bring awareness to it? I would imagine that does. Yeah. That was awesome. How did that collab come about? He, um, Macklemore Ben, uh, is a, is a Seattle native who I think the first time I saw him perform was, um, probably 2006 or seven. Um, so this is well before this is probably, he was coming out of college maybe Jeez, well yeah. before the heist and, and his, you know, leap to superstardom. Um, I have been involved in his, uh, um, merch business or merch manufacturing. We've made a number of products for him. Ah. And when I started to do Arvin, I, his wife, actually, Trisha, who's, um, a lovely woman jumped right into it and and was asking all kinds of questions because she saw from the music industry when these you know huge artists do these multinational tours how much waste there is sure she knew she immediately knew right away and she runs all his operations and and uh and merch biz she knew right away she's like this makes total sense because there's so much waste and so much crap apparel or or misprints or whatever you want to look at or unsold items yep. that are just sitting out there that if you could find a way to to utilize them and reuse it that'd be great so she jumped she was very intrigued in arvin to begin with coincidentally at, shortly after we launched it he was about to do his latest record which is called gemini so i i called in a favor so to speak and asked her if she could come to the office and so ben and trisha came to the office and i I basically just pitched him and said, hey, could we do a sock that's around your album release and um, we make it and kind of tell our water story on the packaging? And he was like, yeah, let's do it. So we cooked up a couple ideas. He gave us the album art. So basically we took his album art and placed it into the packaging. And then the sock says Gemini um, on the front. And uh, it did really well. He was gracious enough to, you know, do a post with a little video about, yeah, about his really feet. Yeah, really funny, really clever. And, uh, yeah, really, <laughs> and and talking about, it. and then they tagged Arvin in the, um, in the thing, and and told the story, and that led to some, you know, strong reaction. Yeah, man. So what an odd, again, so good to know people, right? It's good networking. Yeah, for networking. sure. And he's a he's a they're good people. Cool. So That's and they're great. and they're he local, like and it. yeah, they're down to to support, you know, Seattle. Um, or West Coast business, so uh, that's that's super good. Um, tell me then, what's the future for Arvin look like? Where's uh, anything next that you can share, or you know, where do you, where how? I, I think also this, even asking that, I'm gonna throw in another question, mix it in there. But is there an opportunity for full circularity for the brand? I mean, can cu- customers eventually send you their stuff back and you can recycle it? And how much of that can you put back into your supply chain and have a circular product? Uh, yeah, the answer is yes. Um, our our long-term goal is to, you know, kind of create like the reverse subscription model where, where you know, things come back and forth effectively yeah, yeah, versus, yeah. you know, an inventory position. But um the the recycling systems aren't there yet yeah and also you know the brand isn't to to a scale that that would even be feasible you know at this point you right, know, we, right we're not um you know if you think about it in terms of container loads to these that need to be moved for these facilities we need to grow substantially to create that circularity sure but as as the um recycling systems evolve and they start to become smarter in how they're separating blends and materials and all that, which is all 
There's some very big, big brains working on this. It's all getting over close. The world. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's happening. It's I always, coming for sure. Yeah. Um, How far out do you think it is, in your opinion? I don't know. I mean, last year I was at the textile exchange in Washington, D.C., and this woman, um, and I forget, she was from Denmark, I think. She gave this presentation that was totally mind-blowing about how they're inspecting um, recycled garments with, uh, you know, it's basically infrared reading, and it's on these conveyor belts that, it. like, yeah. they scan it, and they're like, boom, it's dominant wool, and it, it shoves it. It's like an, an Amazon distribution center. I'm, I'm here with Dylan, my intern, and we looked at that in class uh, last. I showed that quick little video, and that was amazing. That, to me, when I saw that, I'm like, there it is. That's the future. We're ready, yeah. right? Yeah, so there, there's a facility in India that we work with that that is can do, like, 100% cotton, 100% wool, you know, and they can take in finished garments from, you know, Goodwill or Salvation Army, and they can sort it. But right now, that's all done by hand. You know, it's mm. a it's a team of um, people sitting down and, and hand cutting out labels or embellishments or whatever, and then recycling all these materials. The advancement that's the advancements that are coming is in identifying these blends and being able to you know somehow pull out the and this will be at the polymer or cellulosic level, but to pull out the poly from the cotton or whatever, and then be make it reusable. Because most most products, especially like socks, I mean, sometimes even with socks or headwear, I mean, there are multiple ingredients in here. So it's not just as simple as shredding it up, putting it back in, because we need to know what those fibers are. So if there's elastane, acrylic, exactly. cotton, <clears throat> nylon blend in there, yeah. it's yeah. not always uh, ideal. Yeah, it's, uh, um, so it's coming, though. Like, like yeah. there are really, I'm not kidding when I say there's big brains working on this. It's, <laughs> it's, uh, and there's a lot of money being put into it and, the, and time and energy. And, That's you know, awesome. H&M's running these pilot programs in some stores with collection, yeah. which um, is great. You know, you, you, can, you can say all the bad stuff about big companies like H&M, but they are making strides in some of these um, creative solution ways. And credit to a lot of the biggest brands in the world who are, because I always have to remind my students, <clears throat> like, hey, just because they're a big brand, just because it's fast fashion, hate them. For, you, I mean, I get it, don't like the system, but they're making some really good efforts and really helping to push things really forward for the yeah. rest of us in some cases, right? <laughs> yeah, it's true. I compare it, you know, sometimes it feels a little bit like, you know, when they say big oil's doing something, like yeah. they're doing it also because they know they're the biggest problem in the equation you know so it's it's a counterbalance to that which sure. i think but it's they have the most money the most you know firepower and the the biggest ability to to do this yeah so you know we as little guys or whatever we need to take advantage of that and and really partner with them wherever we can to to try to create more impact yeah i agree <laughs> Um, so good, Dylan. I have a, we get to the point now where I want to get you to maybe if you could give us some advice. What, what advice do you have for brands who are trying to integrate sustainability into either their collections or their brand ethos overall? I mean, a lot of brands right now, the more they hear or they get pushback from, let's say, REI, who is demanding higher sustainability standards from their, um, from their customers, and they're just sort of going, hey, I don't even know where to start. What do I do? What, what advice do you have for them? Um, I'm going to steal a little bit from uh, the woman from Vans. Yeah, Kim. Kim. Kim Matsuka. So Kim said something on your podcast a couple weeks ago that I listened to when she was talking about how you almost have to create like a small group of like rebels in your company. Yeah. Because it, if it's coming from the boardroom, it's not like it's too late. You know what I mean? Like I, I really believe that. Like if if, if it's coming top down that's where the money is and that's where the decisions have to be supported and all that I understand but my opinion in all this stuff is that it starts in the design room you know if if the design team makes the decision that they're going to design into these types of materials then it will permeate its way through product development and sales and distribution and all these things um, if everyone's sitting around hoping that you know the boardroom approves their ability to use this type of material, we're gonna be here a while. So don't ask for permission, ask for yeah. forgiveness. I mean, sometimes that's the that's the only way to operate. And if you show up and somebody says, hey, I switched my, um, you know, we're, we're, a, we're a brand that does 150,000 beanies a year and I just made the decision to switch to Polylana and that's gonna generate a, you know, a water story of 500,000 gallons. If, if somebody tells you you made the wrong decision, then you should question. You're your, in the wrong your, place. Yeah, you're in the wrong job. Well, especially when it looks, feels, everything's the same. And yeah. you're just like, hey, if you want to tell this story, I got, I've got a great story for you to tell. Yeah. Right? So I think that some of that is going to come from this next generation that is probably in your classroom or sitting here with us. Mm -hmm. um, but, 
you know, they've got to they got to take some of those risks. And there's a lot of stats and data around the 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 generation behind that. These Gen Z kids that are you know ready to fix everything. Yeah, I hope they do. Me too. I got kids, so I hope they're smarter than me. Gosh, we need them, <laughs> we need them to be. So, how about speaking of those kids? How about for students? And if these are young students who are ready to get into that's a tough one because I know students come in and they're sort of stuck going, well, do I try to be a sustainability professional? Do I just go be a designer or should I keep studying? Should I get a degree in sustainability? They're sort of just going, what do I do? Where do I go? Because I'm so passionate about this and I want to help. What advice do you have there? I don't know if I'm the right person to ask that. I'm, I have a, like I said, I have a degree in finance, so I thought I'd probably be working at a bank or something. <laughs> um, and, and I ended up here. So, uh, no, but I would tell them, um, you know, if, if the, if the room was looking at me asking, I would tell them to, you know, get experience wherever they can, whether that's, you know, in a job right away or in trial and error through their own projects or their own efforts. Um, because that experience is only, you know, I can say that as a 40 year old man now looking back at when I was 22, I wish I'd have done a couple things mm. differently or more aggressively or, or whatever. But um, that experience is going to come in a lot of different ways. And it's also going to show up in places that you didn't expect. Yeah. So take advantage of it. I would say, again, if you're a designer, I think that incorporating this into your into your work wherever you can. I was fascinated by Kim's, you know, she came out of the carpet business. You right. know, that was that was amazing. And like yeah. hearing that whole historical of her, um, you know, relevance to transitioning that into this multi-channel apparel business is huge. Yeah. Sustainability can be found in all sorts of nooks and crannies. But again, if you asked her coming out of her education, what, from what I heard on that, on your show is that, you know, she didn't expect to be in this role at Vans. She was, you know, doing something completely different and it, and it leads down a path that, you know, culminates in, in that opportunity that, you know, you can create your own kind of change around. Yeah. Well, who knows? Maybe there's something to the uh, finance or accounting degrees because our last guest uh, also had a uh, had, had an accounting degree. So, <laughs> and now he's a he's a master uh, entrepreneur and um, science guy doing some crazy things. But yeah, good. you're doing some awesome things too, Dustin. So yeah. I want to thank you um, for pushing forward the charge and doing what you're doing because it's helping to change the the game and help to change the space and it's driving change for sure. So thank yeah. you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Glad you're here. Jason, thanks for being here. Dylan, thanks for being here. And um, you guys know where to find us. We'll leave all the all the notes and everything down in the links. But um, be sure to go check out Arvin Goods. Get yourself a good pair of socks or a good pair of undies. And uh, and then uh, or hey, get them as a gift for a friend. That's right. That's a good gift item. That's right. All right, Dustin. Thanks, man. Thanks. Cheers. To hear more stories like this, or to learn more about our host, visit theunderswell.com.